0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here's your host, Dan Ronan.
1: Hello and welcome to Road Signs from Transport Topics. I'm Dan Ronan, the associate news editor here at Transport Topics. In this podcast, we'll be examining the emergence of electric powered trucks and their place in the transportation industry. All of the major truck manufacturers are investing heavily in electrification and so are a number of startups and newcomers to the trucking industry. But how soon will these fleets be willing to deploy these electric vehicles? And what are some of the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead? To help answer these questions, we're pleased to welcome Keith Brandis. He is the Vice President of Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America. And joining us a little later will be Mike Tunnell, he is the Director of Energy and Environmental Affairs at the American Trucking Association. We begin first with Keith. Thanks for joining us. Where are we at right now as we uh, come to the end of a a year in terms of one that's been very exciting with regards to some of the things that are taking place with electronic trucks, electric trucks? Where are we at right now in terms of the development and the acceptance of by the, by the, by not just the manufacturers, but by the fleet owners and operators?
2: So I think 2018, when we we look at the year, was a lot of announcements uh, um, beyond just the truck manufacturers, also suppliers. And uh, other startups, and now we're we're seeing that uh, real plans are in place and, and we're expecting in 2019 to actually be putting trucks on the road and preparing for commercialization uh, you know after that. so um, uh, we're moving into real vehicles we're actually putting parts together we're building those real vehicles that will go into customers' hands uh, uh, towards 2019
1: you're in a stage in your career where you've got almost 40 years in the trucking industry is this something that is commercially viable or is this something that uh is a, is a fad what do you think
2: well when you say almost 40 years i feel old when you say it that way but
1: uh <laughs> I, in the nicest possible way
2: <laughs> i have a passion for this business and i think when you're around the business and you meet so many people that have been in it for years so many families that are second and third generation owners or operators or drivers and the like, uh, that you realize that we have an important role uh, to move the economy forward and, uh, and, and not only deploy people but also get goods and services where they need to be. The e-commerce thing, I think we're still feeling the benefits of that, and I know that's helping trucking because it's actually more truck movements, not fewer, as they go between the distribution centers. And I see that this whole conversation about connectivity, automation, electromobility, we're at the early stages, but uh, this will come, and it it is already starting to show the benefits um, um, when they get fully developed, that customers will be able to optimize towards their business model. Think about sustainable transport in terms of um, now you can have uh, a zero emission footprint and that's what we're really striving for and in certain communities in california and and the like that have an air quality problem they want that ultimate solution and uh and they're they're pushing us but also we're we're investing and preparing for that ultimate solution we talk about connectivity it's more than just knowing where that load is it's also how can we keep the uptime of the vehicle and, and, in, and in terms of automation, uh, it's helping the driver to be more productive and safer. How can we become the more eyes and ears that that, that are possible to eliminate uh, some of the blind spots around the vehicle? All those kinds of things we're working on, and it's, it's a very exciting time.
1: What about Volvo's involvement in Southern California at the ports? Tell us about uh, what's taking place there in an area of the country that does have some uh, real serious challenges with regards to air pollution and the like. They have been around for many years, and they're they're working very hard to try and solve those problems.
2: So we've been awarded a bid um, um, that we proposed to California Resource Board called LIGHTS, uh, Low Impact Green Heavy Transport Solutions, which is an end-to-end. It's a complete uh, zero-emission uh, target that we've set for a facility. It includes not only the trucks and the truck charging infrastructure, but also solar power and solar harvesting. It includes forklifts, electric forklifts, electric yard jockeys. It's it's trying to make that, uh, that complete customer enterprise uh, energy sufficient. So um, um, we're very excited about how getting the incentive you know, funding and grants that we needed in place, but also working with customers and working with our dealer and working with suppliers and partners, 16 different partners, in order to put together this complete ecosystem. And it addresses the critical issues, as you said, in Southern California in terms of air quality.
1: Is this transferable, this technology, once this, once you have some information that you can start, that your crew can crunch the numbers and everything, can some of these lessons be used at New York, New Jersey, or Baltimore, Savannah, other places that may not have air quality issues to the extent that Southern California does, but they just want to run a more efficient operation. They want to lower their, their, their carbon footprint. Can they use some of these ideas and say, well, they did this at Long Beach and Los Angeles. Let's try this here at our facility.
2: We're getting a considerable amount of interest from, like you said, these both municipalities as well as major uh, accounts in those areas that have set sustainability goals, or you know, that they're looking at their their carbon footprint. Uh, so I don't think it's just so that California will expand. The question for us and many others is, in what manner do we expand? Because uh, you might imagine there's tremendous investments that are needed. Uh, we will have infrastructure concerns uh, that have to be addressed. So. We don't have yet the, the, all the plans for how this could roll out, and it won't come through every community overnight. But um, uh, we do see, as you said, that uh, there are similar problems, and, and we need the technology in order to solve those problems.
1: In the case of California, there are government incentives that are worked into this contract with, with Volvo and others to to make this work. Uh, we have a very robust infrastructure in this country right now to support the trucking industry through diesel, both with private truck stops and all of the work that's been done over the last more than a half century. Uh, what is it going to take in terms of uh, maybe not a dollar figure, but public-private partnerships, uh, investment and uh, some degree of risk by the private sector to put in charging stations, to put in different types of charging stations, whether it be AC power or DC power. This is not just something that's just going to pop up overnight at every truck stop along every every uh, exit ramp on the interstate.
2: Exactly. and And we get the chicken and the egg question all the time when will the trucks be out there so they know that they they should invest in and have these other charging stations available? And we said, well, the trucks will come when we have the charging stations. So I, I think the public-private partnership is an important ingredient, and uh, we will have to take, I think, a geographic approach of where is the density uh, you know, that, that makes sense, as well as um, how do we support uh, the ecosystem? How do we make and work with the, the policymakers as well as the uh, various incentives that maybe will be needed in order for this to progress further.
1: Now, many companies have already started doing this and have started to, UPS has uh, quite a lot of electric in their fleet to a certain degree, FedEx, the same thing. And uh, as I was saying before in an earlier conversation, I was at a new facility for UPS, Uh, a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta, where they have built into their infrastructure, their new facility, they have built in charging stations for their trucks and the like. So the companies themselves, the fleet owner operators, are gonna have to put some capital into that as well if they wanna get into this as well, especially if it's on their own property.
2: You're correct. and And when you talk about a greenfield experience where you're planning for uh, you know a building and you're working with utility companies to run the right level of line in there and have this transformer size correctly, uh, dedicated bays for the charging stations to be uh, uh, be secured, all of those things, like you said, can go through the permitting and longer term, and and that may be one or two years. When you talk about changing an existing facility, that's when it gets tricky. And there you have to bring in utility company. You have to bring in your local fire marshal. There's lots of other uh, entities that maybe you didn't think about, right, Uh, before you just start to add, uh, you know, several trucks at once in terms of your charging. Most facilities are only a couple hundred kilowatts, 300 or 500 kilowatts. And then we're talking about one megawatt when you want to charge several trucks at once. So your utility company may have to make changes in order to provide that. And then of course you need to think about backup power, standby power. What happens when uh, you know, the hurricane or storm comes through? Uh, your Gen Set today is probably not sized for that type of uh, uh, needs and, and, uh, and supply. So all of these things that uh, we're working with these uh, particular customers and particular locations uh, to address on a site by site basis.
0: When a Transport Topics reporter sits down to write a breaking news story, he or she knows that every word, every quote, every image matters. Across TT's more than 80-year history, some of the best journalists in transportation have dedicated themselves to getting the stories that this very large, very fast-moving industry needs to read. With new media channels and programs that allow us to extend our reach and tell even more great trucking stories. Web. print. Video, podcasting, all part of our repertoire,
1: all part of our craft. You had mentioned before about maybe some areas of the country uh, that might be more amenable to this right off the bat, densely populated areas. And also, uh, again, to use the example of uh, smaller trucks, uh, many companies, especially in large municipal areas with shorter range distances, two, 300 miles a day electric trucks would be perfect in those locations as compared to somebody who's going to do 600 miles over the road uh, during the course of the day. So maybe, maybe we start in, you know, going into Manhattan or going into the Central District of Boston or Washington, D.C., and then expand out from there. Is that, is that a feasible uh, plan of attack, do you think?
2: I, I think we're starting to see the uh, uh, first signals of that. And as you mentioned, uh, FedEx and some of these other large uh, fleets have already ordered some light duty. Vehicles for that last mile and those uh, city uh, deliveries, pickup and deliveries, um, where I think for heavy trucks that the, the real challenge is: um, do we have then enough footprint? Do we have enough volume there to be a payback? And and it may be expensive when a when a fleet is investing, you know, significant sums of money in the capital uh, and facility changes uh, with only a couple of trucks, it's going to take a longer time to pay that back.
1: What about weight? Because every pound that you have to put in for batteries, uh, you end up sacrificing a pound of cargo. What about weight?
2: When I first thought about taking the diesel engine out that, that weighs 2000 pounds on a transmission, that's a couple hundred pounds. I thought, wow, this should be weight
1: neutral, even swap, pound even swap, for, pound. You for you pound.
2: But, but what I found is that, um, in order to get the batteries to meet the safety standards, we put a cage around the batteries to protect them from accidents. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of controllers uh, which uh, have to be cooled, uh, on-board charging and, um, and switching uh, uh, components that are added. So so when you start to add all of these things on a truck, all right, um, you're not reducing weight. In fact, you have kind of a weight penalty, especially in terms of range. So if the more range that you want, the more battery capacity that you're going to have to add and therefore the trade-off against the range.
1: A couple more points real quick. Uh, with regards to drivers, is this going to require a different style of driving because you won't have the auditory feedback that you get now when it comes to driving a diesel?
2: I think drivers will be able to adapt pretty quickly. I, I typically drive a desk, even though I have a commercial driver's license, and I was able to get behind the wheel and operate a vehicle pretty safely uh, on a test track. I, I wasn't uh, uh, doing real, real work with it. But uh, um, you know, the, the thing that, that we're trying to do is to make it seamless. We will have changes to the display, and instead of a fuel gauge, we're going to have a range gauge. And you'll also be able to get an indicator whether you're driving efficient or you're not driving efficient. So we will provide that information to the driver, and I think that will make the transition easier.
1: Okay, very good. Keith Brandeis, he is the Vice President of Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America, talking about a very exciting set of changes that are taking place in the trucking industry. One last, are you optimistic about this? I mean, this is, this is a big change. Optimistic about this?
2: I'm very optimistic. Um, for me, this is a big change in my career. Uh, after working with the typical truck technologies for, for many years to take this leap and to say, okay, I'm going to focus. And, and that's what I'm planning to do is, is in the new year, really focus on making the lights project for us uh, a, a win, uh, not only for our company, but also for the customers, for, for the uh, charging infrastructure. All of these partners have some skin in the game and they want to see it succeed. And how can I help uh, us succeed and make Volvo trucks a, a part of sustainable transport?
1: Keith Brandeis, the Vice President of Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America, thanks for joining us on RoadSides. Thank you, Dan. Hello, I'm Dan Rohn, I'm the host of Transport Topics Radio on Sirius XM Channel 146 every Saturday, 1 to 3 p.m., and then again on Sunday between... 12 noon, and 2 p.m. Eastern time. I hope you'll join me as every week we bring you the high-quality journalism that you've come to expect at Transport Topics and bring it to you on the radio. For more information about the next program and to get your free 30-day access code, head to ttn.ws forward slash radio 1. That's ttn.ws forward slash radio 1. Thanks for listening. And now joining us from Southern California is Mike Tunnell, the Director of Energy and Environmental Affairs with the ATA. Mike, thanks for joining us. Since you work in Southern California, this really is one of the places where if there is a uh, ground zero, if you will, in the issue of electrification of trucks from both a policy and a uh, manufacturer's standpoint, it sure seems like Southern California is the place to be right now.
3: Yeah, it sure is. Um... Yeah, there's manufacturing going on electric truck manufacturing in Southern California basin, and then the ports are looking at how to electrify the trucking fleet there they have a long term commitment. uh, That would ultimately result in the operation of electric trucks in and out of the ports of LA and Long Beach.
1: Are the ports really going to be the the first place where we see a really lot of activity taking place because of the just the sheer volume of trucks and vehicles that are in a very condensed space?
3: Well, it depends because the the caveat I would put on that is the port you're you're requiring a very large class seven class eight vehicle to be electrified uh, and pulling a container out of the port, which so you're pulling a lot of weight. So is the ability of electric trucks to meet that duty cycle will be the question. The other area that may be more attractive is small package car and urban delivery stop and go applications, uh, uh, you know, potato chip delivery trucks, uh, things like that, that haul less weight. So you could get by with fewer batteries, a smaller vehicle. Profile, so we may see activity, electric truck activity in those areas move forward before you get to the Class A.
1: What type of grants and tax benefits, tax credits, are available to uh, fleet owner operators to uh, move in this direction? What uh, What is the state offering?
3: Yeah, California has some of the largest incentives for uh, vehicle acquisition. Uh, they'll they have a program called HVIP. And it is uh, offers $165,000 for an electric Class 8 truck um, for to offset some of the purchase price, and then you can get less as you go into the smaller vehicles. But the this program focuses on offsetting some of the higher upfront costs associated with electric trucks, and then California also, through their low carbon fuel standard, has produces credit when you use electricity as the fuel source for your vehicle. And I've seen estimates that you can get as much as $30,000 a year in credits from that program if you were running a Class 8 electric truck.
1: At $160,000 in terms of a uh, tax incentive, that will pretty much cover the cost of a brand new class a truck wouldn't it that's that's pretty close almost dollar for dollar
3: well and and it's not a tax incentive it's actually a purchase voucher so you get hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars off the purchase price of a new electric truck now uh you know electric trucks are substantially higher cost than a diesel truck but yeah like you said that's pretty much the cost of a, an additional truck. Yes.
1: That, yeah, that would um, knock a big, uh, big chunk out of, I guess, wouldn't it? Good. Let me, let me ask you this. And uh, want to just maybe put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, the California Air Resources Board uh, has been controversial uh, with regards to uh, some would say in the trucking industry and s- some would say, and I'm not saying you are, but some have said that the the relationship at times has been somewhat antagonistic Uh how are you finding them to work with in terms of your relationship with them? Because you understand that as a government agency, they have a different mission than what the trucking industry does. Ours seems is to is to move material and items as efficiently and as cost effectively as as possible. While their their mission is is to uh, improve the air the air quality for the state.
3: Right, and they are very focused on their mission, so. Yeah, you know you kind of have to start there and realize that they will move forward with programs such as they have a truck and bus rule out here um, to ensure that they're meeting their air quality goals um, so as we move forward they're looking at uh, programs such as electric trucks uh, to meet further meet their air quality goals and so while they're Try they you know I will give them credit they make a, a effort to under try and understand um, the industry um, the industry is very varied so developing a rule that accommodates all the applications in a in that trucking offers is very difficult so it's been you know tough for the trucking industry to uh, be addressed by these rules just because of the variety that has happened and then enforcement is the other side they haven't done a very good job of enforcing the regulations they have when it comes to trucking they're trying to beef that up but quite honestly it's been subpar and so that's created unlevel playing fields for compliant companies non-compliant company versus non-compliant companies so Um, you know, those issues need to be fixed as they move forward in their future rulemakings, which we know they will be pursuing.
1: Are the OEMs pretty excited about uh, the the opportunity and the research that's taking place on electric trucks? Because it seems as though, as we said in the intro, uh, all of the major manufacturers are investing in electrification. Plus, there's a number of startups that have jumped in on this, so it seems as though the the manufacturing side of the house, they realize that this is coming, and this is coming pretty quick. So the time to get involved in it is is at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's got to be an exciting time to be an automotive engineer uh, working on trucks because you uh, the technologies are uh, unpre- unprecedented. Yeah, that you're available. So um, I think everybody's excited about it now. The prospect of A regulation, uh, you know, adds a new dimension. I think if it was just free market moving forward, that would be one thing. But adding the regulatory hammer over this uh, creates, you know, some stress, tension. Um, It's going to set a deadline. It's going to say this technology will be ready by a certain date. And you guys need to meet it as a manufacturer. And that's what California is looking at. Um, so that is going to be, um, you know, a, a high hurdle to hit.
1: What are the, uh, deadlines that, uh, are looming out there? What are the, the, the deadlines and to calendar deadlines, if you will, that, uh, are really of the, the ones that are the big, the big ones.
3: Yeah. In, in regards to electric truck, this 2019, I expect CARB to, uh, look to adopt a regulation that. That will require the manufacturers to produce a certain percentage of electric trucks in their sales volume. So that and it's all to be determined when they have to do that by um, what that percentage is, uh, what types of vehicles are required. So all this is will kind of be developed over the next probably 12 months or less. Um, what the requirements will be.
1: Do you see straight electrification of trucks, uh, more traditional battery uh, in the the drivetrain system or uh, fuel cell being the prevalent way that we'll go as compared to some sort of a hybrid system that Uh, uses diesel in some applications, but electric, the electric motors and others, which do you think is more likely to to be if the marketplace decides this, which is more likely to be the winner? Yeah.
3: You know, that's a tough question, but I would say um, the prospect of an all electric zero emission truck is probably where people gravitate towards because that has, you know, one technology, whether it's fuel cell or electric, it's, It's in theory, simpler to manage where when you get into the hybrid, one, you have emissions and two, you have kind of uh, two different systems in place. So you you've become more complicated. So I think, you know, from the emission side and from the technology side, it it the. The preference is more towards the
1: all-electric. I did hear uh, some comments to the, on that particular topic from uh, Martin Daum with Daimler, who said that uh, with uh, a diesel hybrid, you still have uh, the emission systems that are still have to be in place that uh, have to be there, and you have more weight because you have a, uh, a diesel engine and you also have an electric motor, so it, he, he was not uh, one who supported that. He seemed to think that uh, if we're going to go in that direction, it would either be with the the fuel cell uh, with hydrogen or some sort of a, a plug in with electric that uh, you drive the vehicle for two, three, four hundred miles, whatever the range is, and then plug it in and get uh, get it recharged back up to a, a sufficient level to to do the job the next day.
3: Yeah, that's you know, that seems like one approach, although you could say, hey, the Prius has done pretty well, so um yeah, you know, The possibility of some type of uh, uh, hybrid truck operation, um, you know, it, it's definitely attractive to uh, some because then you would have the range. It takes some of the range anxiety
1: out. Are you optimistic, uh, Mike, in the closing moments that we have that uh, the technology and the lessons learned at Long Beach, uh, the port, Los Angeles, Oakland, and uh, other ports on the West Coast at some day? will be transferable to other facilities in the country that are uh, maybe not having the air quality issues that Southern California deals with, but they still have to be in compliance and uh, these lessons can be learned and the OEMs and the, the material they learn can be used and, in a way as well?
3: Yeah, I, I'm very optimistic on the technology. I think the timing's a question. Um, it will be... It, the you know the prospect of moving to a uh electric truck is attractive if things play out right and i think other areas would really look to that to address their uh community needs surrounding the ports and and feel like electric zero emission technology is where they want to be as well um but the, the real question is cost. I mean, it, it's, it needs to be competitive with the other options that are out there.
0: From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a Transport Topics special report. In December, we're turning our attention to another big issue, electric trucks. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets, one comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. I'm Joe Howard, executive editor here at Transport Topics, and I invite you to learn more about our special reports and reserve your copy of the next one at ttn.ws special.
1: And that's the latest edition of Road Signs, and we wish to thank our guest who joined us for the discussion of the electrification of the trucking industry. Keith Brandis, the Vice President of Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America, and Mike Tunnell, the Director of Energy and Environmental Affairs with ATA in Southern California. Thank you for listening.